Before we start the broadcast of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage podcast, I just wanted to make you all aware of the official sponsors for the 2023 series. Our agency are a full-service digital creative agency specialising in branding, web and content creation. They are delivering results in Wakefield for organisations such as Trinity Walk and the Wakefield Cathedral. And they offer upfront, no-nonsense marketing to help you achieve your goals. Drop them a line, follow them on all their social media accounts or take a look at their website and make our agency your agency. If you're a local business in the Wakefield area and interested in sponsoring the podcast, drop Lee or Jamie a message on the Heritage social media accounts and we'll get back to you as quick as we can. Now, over to you, Cammy. Hi, it's Cammy, Chris Kamara, and you are listening to the Trinity Heritage podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. They are unbelievable. Good afternoon, good morning and good evening from wherever you are listening from. My name is Jamie Robinson and welcome to episode 82 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage podcast. Joining me as ever is my co-host, Mr. Trinity Heritage himself, my dad, Lee Robinson. Welcome, dad. Hello and thank you and welcome to uh, number 82 of the podcast. Um, this week we we go back to the 70s and the 80s with our special guest. This gent had a 15-year playing career with a great affinity to Trinity and he kept coming back and he signed on three occasions. And I think it was four occasions, but he only got first team action on three, including that great late, that great 1970s squad. He also coached back in the 90s as well. This week we, we welcome Paul McDermott. Paul, thanks for joining us, mate. Not a problem. It's a pleasure. Pleasure, Lee. Good stuff. Paul, we were just chatting briefly before the podcast and, and you said your, your affinity for Wakefield Trinity goes back a long way. But what, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the words Wakefield Trinity? Evening games. I was so excited by going to evening games. <laughs> it's uh, They played most Wednesdays. And they, they always seem to be, in the time I were a lad, between the ages of 12 to 16. Plenty of Wednesday night games, evening games. And I went to most of them down at Bellevue on my own because I played for the schoolboys and you got a free pass. So you could get in for, for nothing because you played for the school, Wakefield schoolboys. But my dad used to get in, get in with his mates and we all jumped in the back of the clerk van and travel over to Lancashire for the Wednesday night evening games. It could have been Thursday and Friday nights, but I have them in mind Wednesday nights. So it was just so exciting. I mean, the night atmosphere, and I've always loved evening games with the floodlights on and everything. So when you mention Wakefield Trinity, the first thing that comes to mind is that. Excellent stuff. And do, do you feel as though, I appreciate obviously the fixture list back in when you were younger, a bit more congested almost, so they had to maybe have midweek games sometimes, but do you think it's something that's potentially missing from, from the modern day? Yeah. Uh, well, I think the modern day has got to be realistic. You've got to, you've got to, we were part time, uh, so we were at work every day. Uh, you can't, I don't think you can train and play because you'll get bored of it. No matter how much you love something, if you do it every single day, uh, you're going to get bored of it. So I like midweek games, but the midweek games, then you've got, now we're obsessed with attendances. So if you're playing a Wednesday night and you're playing a team from 
across the Pennines in Lancashire, or if you're a West Riding club and you're, you're playing, playing one of the whole clubs, it's a bit travelling, isn't it? So the, it spoils it for people. Yeah. People don't have the regular jobs that they used to have. They all deal with different shifts, some were happier. So I think rugby league's got to move with, uh, with how society moves, which in the past we haven't, have we? No, no, that's right, mate, that's right. Mate, let's go back to the beginning, if we may. Uh, tell us about growing up in Wakefield. Were you, are you an East Moor lad? No, I wasn't. Uh, from Peacock. Peacock? Well, Lincoln Street. Lincoln yeah. Street. Used to get bullied by the Peacock lads. <laughs> you, were in, you were Lincoln Street, were in the middle of Peacock and Darnley, and you got uh, Flanchard at the top of you. New Scarborough. So anywhere you ventured... Oh, yeah. And I were a Catholic, so I, to, I went to a Catholic school, so I didn't go to the schools in that area. Walked to school and you had to run. Because you had people chasing you. <laughs> For me, and I walked to fight. You went, did you go to Thomas Beckett? I did. I went to St. Austin's first and then Thomas Beckett. Yeah. yeah. St. Austin's were a rugby league school. He got some good good players out of there. Yeah. Yeah, I went to Beckett's as well. So it's quite like a grounding for rugby league players, isn't it? David Ward yes. went there, Andy Kelly went there, yourself and so on. Yeah, well, there's there's a host of them. There's, there's tons of players that's played professional. You know, my, my brother Brian, he ended up being there and he ended up being an international player as well. So there's, there's Richard Kelly, Neil Kelly. There's quite a few people. There is, yeah. Uh, we know about you, your big rugby league family, mate, but I'm fascinated by your dad. How did he get involved with rugby? Because your dad's name is carried on the Wakefield and District Knockout Cup, the Brian McDermott Memorial Trophy. How did he get involved at that level? Yeah, it, it's company Cup City Plasters, that was his plastering company. He sponsored it. So yes. when my dad and he sponsored it for quite a number of years, so when my dad died, the recognition of his services, they, they named it, renamed it. The memory tropical, and it's still there, isn't it? It's a bit it hidden. Is. The I think League, my, brother, my, young, my brother, actually, with me, I think he still owns it. He's he, he has city plasters. Oh, good, good, good. good. And and uh, how's Mick McGowan uh, related to you? Because I know Mick he's been one It's my uncle. Yeah. And if it wasn't if, if, yeah, if, if it for Mick, I want to be playing rugby league. Uh, I like watching it, but in, uh, we, we didn't play. We didn't play any sport, competitive sport at St Austin's. Uh, and first year of the Thomas Beckett's, we didn't really play competitive sport. But he used to come and pick me up on a Saturday morning without me knowing about it, and drag me off in the middle of the winter to go play for teams, a guest player, whatever. So he kept me interested in it, and I wasn't particularly bothered. Uh, I, I like watching Wakefield Trinity. I did. It, it just, it's hard to get. We didn't, St. Austin didn't have a side. So I, I were always the odd man out of the club. So you, you haven't got, you're not going to play with your friends or anything. So my, my uncle Mick picked me up. I enjoyed playing, but I was glad I got back. Uh, and then I went out and played for the city when I got to 13 and 15. You got a free pass to go watch Wakefield Trinity. So I went down to watch them because I got a free pass. And I had no aspirations of being a professional player. Well, I never even thought it would even, I was capable of it. And uh, Mick McGowan and Dave Lamming started the first, Dave Lamming was the coach and Mick was the assistant, started the first Colts system where we had the Rain Twins and we had Fletcher and Crosley and uh, Trevor Misley, quite a few others in the, in the team there, David Noble. Uh, and he took me down. And 
I didn't know where he, I didn't know where he was taking me at the time because the first training session was over the bridge at Stanley on the left hand side. If you go towards the motorway on the left hand side, in the way mm-hmm. he, was, he was there, and he ended up playing for the Colts, and that's how I ended up, and I never left. Brilliant. And there were some good players you've just mentioned them, but that Wakefield Trinity Colts side of the mid 70s, 75, 76, it was a good side, wasn't it? You've just mentioned, you know, your Andrew Fletcher, you Trevor mentioned yep. your young Crossleys. I think great I, players. I had a look of them, Martin. 19 players, I think there were about 14 of them ended up playing for quite a few years as professional, well, first team players. So the, the scouting system then was tricky. I don't think the scouting system is as good nowadays. I don't know whether it's because. Uh, because they've gone full-time professionals, so they're paying people to be scouts. Uh, and and what are they looking for? I think somewhere along the line, it's not just at Wakefield, I think it's in rugby league, because I've been involved with juniors in the last few years, and there's some terrific players out there, but they're not being looked at. They're not even being noticed. Mm. And as well, I guess, I guess, Paul, the the young lads of, of the sixties and seventies, you know, sixteen, seventeen year olds are different to what they are now. You've, you know, short attention spans now on the heads and the phones and, and doing whatnot as well. I guess it's sometimes their interests are elsewhere. But, yeah, it's there, there is that point. But my experience is, I'm sixty six now, so I can, so I can talk as if I've got some age. The if you talk to young people, and it's always been so, if an adult talks to a young man, young people, and show some genuine interest in them, then they'll respond. They'll put the phone down, you know, because you're interested. You're not shouting and bawling at them. You're taking some interest in them. Look, if you do this, you can, and if you, if you do it this way, this way will work. But you, be honest with them, you need to get fitter. You need to lose some weight or whatever. So I think it's always been the same. Kids don't change. People were saying that me watching the television all time. And I had to get off the backside and press the button and we'll sit back down and wait for five minutes for it to come on. And they kept saying, you're spending too much time looking for the television. There'll always be an excuse for it. But I think I don't think they're relating to the to the children that to the they're not children, the young adults, to, to young adults. And what were it like for you? You know, like you say, you've watched Wakefield growing up. You're a Wakefield lad to finally be a part of the club. What 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 were it like? Were it were it a bit overwhelming? A dream. A dream. Yeah. It wasn't overwhelming because it was a dream. I'd been gone down a bit. The one special evening for me, I were in the under seventeens, and we used to train at the top end of the where the scoreboard, where the old scoreboard used to be, uh, on a Tuesday evening and a Thursday evening, early doors. But we always hung on for when the opportunity first team came out and A team came out to train. Uh, and I think we had two games in a year, but we used to go training there every Thursday. Uh, and then David Topless called us, oh, come on, we'll have a game of touch and pass while we're warming up. And we played with the first team. As I'm, a, I'm 16, 17 year old, and I'm stood at back at post watching David Topless score all these sides and all the other in the first team, all of a sudden he's passing me the ball. <laughs> uh, and it was it was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. So I, I've always... It's, so when it, when I, I ended up... Because I was the last person in the academy to be signed. Uh, everybody else was signed on way, way before I was. But I was still down there playing for the academy and playing in the... in the Playing for the A-team. And I wanted him signed on. So it was just a dream. There's listeners to this podcast, Paul, who, who 
I, I, God forbid, might not have even heard of David Topless, but he's obviously a god in, in Wakefield and Wakefield Trinity in general. Just, just tell us about what it was like as a young bloke of your age, watching David Topless, playing with David Topless and just being around him. Well, I, I, I was a Wakefield Trinity fan because David Topless played for Wakefield Trinity and because I'm from Wakefield. But I went down to watch Wakefield, I went down to watch David Topless. They were like, there were two heroes in my life. Then. There were David Topless and there were George Best. Because I, I was quite good at football, and I want always wanted to be George Best, uh, and I wanted to be David Topless. I found out soon enough I was, <laughs> I was nowhere near as good as David Topless as George Best, obviously. Uh, but it was it was exciting, uh, and I can relate to the, to the disappointment of today's Trinity supporters. I don't, they, I'm not criticising anything that goes going on there, but if you're going and watching your heroes. And we're losing week in, week out. It's and there's nothing to be excited about. Then the people I used to get think about it all the week long. I used to go think about watching David Topis and watching Wakeful Trinity. And if he didn't play or Wakeful Trinity played poorly, I was so so disappointed to the week after. And what was he like as a bloke when you finally got to meet him? Uh well. I, Great lad, great, great lad. But he was, I'm not going to say, he wasn't self-centred, he was just self-motivated. Mm. Everything had to go through David. Uh, for a special time, at one particular training session, uh, David was trying to organise everything and do everything. You stand here, you stand blah, 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 blah. And Bill Asher's got signed on. Uh, and then Bill Asher's took over Topo, get out of the way, I'm taking this. And no one had ever said anything to him like that before. But he was a good lad. He, he, was, he was truly interested in what you were doing. So he'd ask you the question, and he, he was interested in it, and he'd tell you things, he'd advise you. He, he was always thinking about the game all the time. What can we do with this? What can we do with that? Superb stuff. And, and and just to kind of round off on Topo, I think, you know, they say that the best sportsmen in any sport have kind of this profound arrogance about them because they know that them being in a team is, is better for everyone. You know, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, etc. But it sounds like David Topless had that as well. In in both sides of the hemisphere, he did well down under as well. I oh, did terrific with down under. And, and uh, if I can remember correctly, one of the reasons why we barred our players from going down under was because we played at different times of the year. Their, their summer, which were rock hard. Uh, or oh, their winter, but it's hotter than our summer. And all our players are coming back injured. So when David Topless went went down there, in, when he came back in the late 70s, he had a bad knee all the time. So he had having problems with his knees and his hips and his back all the time, still playing on the hard grounds. So though, though he was a fantastic player, I often wonder how, if he hadn't gone to Australia and played, how, he would have, how, how, he, how, how good he would have been. He was a fantastic player. I think that was the problem back in the day, wasn't it? Because the Australian grounds were like concrete and ours were like muddy, mud, just a mud bath. So we'd be going from hard to soft to hard to soft. Yep. He did that for four, four successive seasons. Yeah, well, they, I, I believe that the Rugby Football League banned our place from going across, didn't they? Yeah, they did in the end, yeah. Yeah, because I wanted to go, so it stimmed me because yeah, the only way you could go across was to be an international player or play for your county. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was 19, 20 before I got... Uh, married and before we had any children I wanted to go across and play but I wasn't allowed to 
Excellent. Tell us about your debut, mate, because it must have been a big, a big thing for you to say you never had any aspirations of being a first team player. That uh, your debut back in March 1977 must have been a big day. Up at Rochdale. Up at Rochdale. Up at Rochdale. Uh, I took it calmly. It's uh, you get excited about it. I've been I've been hanging around with all the first team saying got changed in one room and the A-team got changed in another room. But you're together all the time. Uh, and I played with first-team players when I played for the A-team. Uh, and it, it, people kept saying, you, you might be in first-team this week, we've got these injuries, just be ready for you. Be ready for it. And then it was Dave Lamming was the coach, I believe, at that time. It was, this, it was like, so I think it was Brian Lockwood had gone, was it Brian Lockwood? Ryan Lockwood was there and he, I think he walked away, he got sacked or went back to Australia and David right. took over as a caretaker role. Yeah, and he picked um, Bob Gant made his debut with me as well. He did. Was it Chris Stringer as well? Were there, were there three of us? Um, the other one was Graham Brown. Graham Brown, Graham Brown, yeah. Yeah, so I had company with, 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 with us three, all nervous young lads sat in the dressing room. And it was terrific. It was really exciting. Very exciting. You remember rest of squad that day? I, we always quiz people on the on the. On the... Uh, I don't. I'll prompt you because there's a few George, odd names. George Ballantyne were in because he yes. passed me a ball and I dropped it over the line. Because <laughs> uh, Wakefield Trinity is the only club I haven't scored a tie for in my debut. All right. My debut for him, but I would have scored it if. But it, I don't know if referee saw it only dropped an inch, but it, <laughs> but it were it were a knock on. Uh, and John Archer, well, the winger, one not He was, winger. he was on the wing with John, yeah. Yeah. Because I can remember that the uh, the dressing room was an L-shape. Big normal room, then there was a side of the room that went on the side. And we can't, I can't remember if, well, I think we lost. You lost 12-4. 12-4, lost. So, uh, I didn't know what was going on. I just sat there waiting for people to go on the field. So come at half time, uh, we apparently haven't been playing well. So Dave Lamb, who could give a rollicking for David when he wants to do, he starts shouting and bawling. Uh, and he says, and you Archer, said John Archer. He said, John, John, where is it? John Archer. So everybody sat in this little square room. John Archer was sat in this little narrow room <laughs> And it was all narrow room, so you could get your feet to go to the wall, and it was sat up reading Sunday people. And it was, and it was, it was giving me, everybody would give me, get in here, get in here. And he was just laughing and joking with an archer. And he laughed all, every time I saw him, he just kept laughing when they were playing or whatever, he was just laughing all the time. Well, it, it would be a difficult quiz to, to answer with it because you debuted with a lot of, a lot of juniors in. Because you full back with Trevor Midgley. Trevor, you know, Trevor had made his debut year before, and he? That's right, yeah, he did. He yeah. did very early, yes. You wing it, Mark Endersby? Yes, Mark, yeah. And then John Archer on the other wing. You sent us Graham Brown and Keith Banks. Keith Banks. Now, Keith Banks was a, a, a very good player. He was Barry Banks' brother, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Yeah, Old, older brother. Yeah, came from Rugby Union, I think, Wakefield Rugby yeah. Union. yeah. Did did he not play fullback as well? It's all on occasions. Did, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he must have had a few injuries or resting because there were no Topless and no Lamkowski. So your halfbacks <laughs> were Sammy Sanderson and Terry Langton. Oh, Sammy, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
you could spin yourself in the ground trying to follow Sammy. Because <laughs> my, my job, I, I thought it was, no one ever spoke to me about my job, was, but I, I could picture where people were going to go, so I, I followed them. And uh, they, they were very jinky and spinning all the time with Sammy. You never knew where they were going to go. Uh, very good to come out, because he ended up at Leeds, didn't he? He did, he ended up at Leeds, yeah. Mm. Um, your front row, you've already mentioned George Ballantyne, Ray Hanscom, your hooker, and Nigel... Ray Hanscom, yeah. Pro. Lovely lad. I know what other, what other prop. Nigel Murray. Nigel Murray, yes. Another one of our Colts. That's right. So a few Colts all played. Yeah. Uh, back, back row, Trevor Skerritt, Graham Idle. Yeah. And this one, well, I want to go this one, Keith Riggs, because he was normally a winger in the second row. Yeah, well, he ended up... Uh, he went to Casper, didn't he? And he, did he come from Castle Road to Castle? He came, he came from Hunslet. Unslet. Uh, he ended up being a good second row. Mm. He ended up playing it forward because he, he started up a winger and ended up being... But he, he could run. Yeah. He could tackle. That's right, yeah. So that was our squad. You you and Bob Gant on the bench. Uh, March 1977, we lost 12-4. Uh, you played another couple of games that season and then the next season you played six. But you were alternating. Now, what in this era, what do you reckon your favourite position was? Because one minute you were full-back, one minute you were stand-off, one minute you were loose forward. Not got a clue. <laughs> I did. I was still. I, I don't know. You, you might have to find out. I'm not so sure. Even maybe debut if I was signed on. Well, I think. Well, it was another question I had because I, I, I'm not sure. I can't find when you signed on. So I, I presume it was around about this March 1977 time. I don't think it was. I think I signed the year after. Oh wow. I think they signed the year after. Uh, yeah. They were quite a bit in. The, the chairman of the club and my granddad, apparently, weren't friends. Several were good and my granddad weren't friends. So all I could get feedback from was that, you know, you're never going to get signed on. And I won't get any signed on. But we're all, I don't know why I was going to get signed on. I won't get any signed on. So I think it was a the year after that, signed on, it's not right there. Right. And it was an unceremonious thing. Uh, Alan Payne, the secretary, I got to sign on for the club ball. So, well, yeah, that do, yeah. He saw coming in and signed this form, and that would it. <laughs> when my, my dad played El Fire for me, wasn't it? Yes, I don't. Yeah. How much did he get? What's he asking for? I said, I'm bothered. He's gone to the second way for me. And it was 250 pounds of so how did you end up at full-back? Do you not know? Because like, you went from looks forward to full-back. Now, this is a story. I went to full-back. I started off as a scrum half, purely because I was small. Uh, and all, through most of my career, no one's ever showed me how to do anything. I had to pick up things. So I'm starting off at scrum half, and I didn't know the rules of the game. I played for the first team at Great Fraternity, and I didn't know the rules of the scrum, <laughs> who had the feed and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I decided I, would, I wanted to be fitter than I was. I thought, I was, I was fit enough lad, but I just wanted to be fitter because it, it first team, it must be, which I've played a couple of games, but not full games, so it was a bit faster than I was used to. So I used to go down to on a Friday night, between Tuesday night and Thursday night, and then first team, and like what we call it, captain's run now, uh, on a Friday night. We used to go down. And I get changing 
18 dressing room on my own, and first team would be in that room. And David Topless said to me, he says, it's uh, what you're training tight for. He said, I said, well, I want you to get fitter. He says, Mac, you'll never make a first team player. And we should talk, I'll tell you about later about, about it later on. That you never make a first team player. I said, well, I just want to get fitter. Hey, who, who knows, David? Who knows? I won't fight the bargain. You know? Even though I'm a hero, you know, it was like a personal challenge to convince him that I were right. I'm going to go to train with him. So I used to train with him. They got warmed up and they'd run some little moves. And then I'd sit in the stands watching these moves. So I thought, if I ever get put in the first team, uh, and I know the moves, they might put me in the team because I know the moves. Because I know what they're talking about. Yeah. So then, Les Sheard were injured. Devin Bisley were injured. And they were long-term injuries. And they were packing them up. Ben Quansar, who was the physio, were packing them up to go out the Sunday. So this one particular Friday, uh, they come out of the panic. We haven't got to fall back. Now, I'd been, they called me down from the stands a few times to take over the full-back role. As in running, you know, I'm going to pass, do this, one, the top those moves, do this, and then ball's going to go out wide and you've got, got to get under it. And my little legs are going as fast as I can to make sure I get there so Topo don't give me a rollicking. But I'd never dreamed about playing full-back. And then they came out and said, we've no full-back, we're going to have to go to the, get somebody from somebody's A-team and go buy somebody for this weekend. But they used to do it every now and again. And... Uh, I think it was, uh, I don't know if it was Graham Idle or, or uh, Bill Asher. It's Paul Max been playing for taking full back position. He knows almost put him there. They can tattle, they can catch a ball, put him to full back. And that's how I ended up at full back. Wow. And no one shot. And Dave Lammy, to his credit, Dave Lammy took me down to Wings Road. And told children how to catch a ball. So he did catch a ball from kickoff. He did catch a ball at full back when they're out, as you can see now, they the ball spinning around all over the place. And nobody in all the time I were at Wakefield Trinity showed me how to play full back. He'd tell me where to go to, where to run, where to stand. I had to learn it all myself with it. Oh, wow. Interesting stuff. Oh, move on to 79, mate. You were back at Loose Forward. Tell us about that Challenge Cup run in 1979, Featherstone, Oldham, Barrow. What do you remember of it in the semi-final? Uh, I remember every minute of it. Oh, excellent. I remember every minute of everyone. I, I scored uh, a try at Oldham, uh, and it was it a hard game uh, at Oldham. Uh, and I, don't, I, did, I never felt like we were going to lose against Oldham. Uh, and we, we beat them. We were, uh, and it, it was a lot of excitement in the first round, wasn't it? When, when we played there, yeah, we our, our first round in it. So, okay, so right, then who can we see in the future then after that game? And then, what it which I always get these mixed up with it, Barrow or Featherstone. Featherstone was the first round, Alden yeah. second round, Barrow third round. Oldham was second round. So we beat the Featherstone, have we? That's how much I remember. He's got a try last minute. Last year, it's got a try last minute against Featherstone. Right then. Is that what it was then? Yeah. I've made myself out alive then. I can't remember that. Then. I can't remember. <laughs> I, can remember I can remember the Barrow, Barrow game onwards. Uh, that was a hard fought game because McCurdy got sent off, didn't he? Yeah. Alan McCurdy. Yeah. So we had no walk. They had me at Hooker. That's right, yes. 
Is that Nate Hooker? They were all, how can we put in Hooker the dressing room? How can we put in Hooker with Max Small? Let's put him there. I think they kept sharing you and Kevin Rain because obviously then they were going to be suspended. So they kept rotating you and Kevin Rain in there to see who could do a job. Yeah. Well, I did, don't, again, they put me there. They didn't tell me what to do. They just put me at Hooker. Uh, so I didn't know what to do. Hooker. I'm looking at these three three rows of granite to, to the prop forwards and hooker that uh, at Barrow, all saying they're going to break my nose and break my jaw, etc. <laughs> Genuine decision. John Burr hugged me, pulled me to one side. They pointed to each one of these them forwards and says, "Don't worry about them. I'm not using them. Don't worry about them because if you don't hook this ball, there's only one fella you've got to worry about, and that's me." And he looked at me. <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> he, he wanted to win every single game, every single minute did John Burke. He couldn't stand anybody failing. Such a perfectionist. Is, is that run a bit bittersweet to you, Paul, just because of what, what happened on Good Friday, 1979? Uh, no. Uh, I, I, I say this and people think I'm kidding. I don't know, I aren't. I'm not kidding about this. I broke my arm and I was terribly disappointed. I went to the hospital and I kept saying it was one of these little breaks that will heal it, miraculously heal itself in, in a fortnight's time. Uh, but in the semi-final, when we played it heavenly, I didn't have a particularly good game. And that was one of the, the things that I froze. I was all right. I was, I was so excited going to the game. Excited, the dressing room coming out as I'm walking down because they got changing that bottom left hand side. They, uh, I was so excited, and then the noise of the stadium. They, we kicked off, and I'm stood there at number thirteen, waiting for the ball to come. And five minutes later, I'm still stood there till the scrum. So we had to go had to look for the scrum. The noise and the occasion got to me. Now, go forward to the actual final. I'm in the dressing room with a pot on my arm. So no matter what happened to the rest of the players, there was no way I was ever going to t replace any of these players with here. And my legs started shaking again. And I thought to myself, well, if I feel like this now and I know I can't play, then what we're going to do at Wembley when all the television's on you? Know, so I'm, in a way, I'm glad that I got taught what nerves were so I could conquer what nerves were. I didn't have used to have any nerves before. Because it was all excitement, but when you when it when it's a Challenge Cup final uh, and it's Challenge Cup semi final, and everybody's talking about it, it's, you're getting stopped in the streets, saying the best of them, how you're going to step etc. It's a lot of pressure on on young people, well, on older players, I suppose, if they if they haven't played in the final before. So in a roundabout way, uh, I learned a lot about myself, and I learned a lot about. Handling nerves by breaking the arm. What what advice would you give to a young Paul McDermott who was struggling with his nerves? Uh, ask any young player. Ask people out. How, how, how did you cope with it? I was always trying to ask him questions because it proved that I didn't know the answer. If I didn't know the answer, they might not want me in the team because I didn't know. It's like when I'm coaching, when I used to go, give them a drill to do. Do you understand all that? Do you understand what I want you to do? And they'd all go, yes. And I said, listen, don't say yes to me, because I used to say yes, 
And then as soon as coach goes away, you turn around to your mate and say, what were you on about? What were you talking about? So go ask. Don't be, don't be frightened of asking questions. You can only learn. And, and what do you remember about the day? Obviously, it didn't go right for Wakefield on the day, but it must have been fantastic again watching your club at, at Wembley. Oh, it was superb. The only disappointment was the fact that we lost. Mm. Uh, but it was a superb day. It was, it was great for Wakefield because Wakefield schoolboys were there as well, weren't they? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they were there. It was, a, it was a tremendous, tremendous occasion. The whole build-up of it. Remember the excitement of... Uh, these suits for, for, for when the nylon suits when everybody's getting static electricity charging all over the place. Uh, photographs taken, pe- people in town wanting you to go uh, go make presentations, etc. It was great for the city, it was, and it was great, it was great for the players, especially the older players. Because a lot of one of the because in that year, beginning of the season, there was a big freeze, so with quite a few games cancelled, how many games did they have to play between? The end of the end of the season and the challenge cup because we had uh... we we had eight we had eight games between the semi final and the final and we had eleven games after the semi final all in all. Right then, right then. So because it's because uh, quite a few of the senior players, uh, which I, I, I had no problems with, didn't play in some of these games because they didn't want to get injured because it's the top of the last time they ever going to chance. To play at Wembley, so they had quite a lot of youngsters playing, which were great for the youngsters. And we had a few playing people on loan, didn't we? With this all, yeah. So, it, so it, it was a. I don't think you had time to really savor it all because you were playing twice a week. So you're training, you're training one day, training next day, you're playing that day, training next day, training next day, playing that day, training that day, training next day, playing that day. It was just just constant. So it, you you're immersed in it all. Great experience. Excellent. Very interesting stuff. And I think a little side note to that, I'll double check with dad, but I believe my granddad, your dad's dad, led out Wakefield schools on that day in 1979. Yeah, yeah, Brian. Yeah, yes, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Brian, well, just, I was just a bit older for, for Brian to have taught me at school. Uh, so I can remember Brian being in class of the school. Great bloke, Xander. Great it still, it still goes down to Bellevue. He'll be listening to know, this now as I well. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that season was a was a, a fortunate one for you as well, mate, because you, you were joint top try scorer for Trinity with 15. Again, another dream come true, I imagine. Well, that that was the following season. Well, that Sorry, season yes, following was. season. Yeah, yeah. that was the following season, yeah. Uh, I had, up to then, genuinely, up to then, up to the last maybe three, four, five games, I didn't realise how what top try scorer. I knew how many tries I scored, but I didn't know how what top try scorer because it was joint with Brian Julie, wasn't it? So, mm, yeah. Uh, I'd always ruled that Alan McCurdy could have passed me a ball and I went and scored himself out of the bed, made the proper try, top try <laughs> scorer, not joint try scorer in one game. But it was, it was uh, that that season g- gave me a chance then to realise that uh, I, I, there's a good chance of me become, you know, being awake for a regular player. So I still didn't regard myself as a regular player. Because in the paper as well. Uh, and it's not, I'm not saying this to make exclusive for, for anything, but I might have done wrong or whatever. But the, the chairman have said he don't want me to be playing in the team. He said he's not my type of player. 
And he actually came up and told me, he said, as far as I'm chairman, I never want you to be in that team of mine. You're not good enough. <laughs> so I came to him. He says, yeah, whatever, Mr. Woodward, Mr. Woodward. It was all right with me. You were lovely, lovely with me, you know, just being honest. And I said, he said, Paul, he says, uh, I like you as a lad. You're a good lad. He said, but you'll never make a good player. He says, you won't be in the time, chairman. You won't be in the team regular with me. Brian. And I kept saying, well, I'll prove you wrong, Mr. Woodward. I'll prove you wrong. Wrong. Excellent stuff, mate. We mentioned Topo already, but you played along some alongside some real legends of the club. Your Trevor Skerritt, your Graham Idol, your Bill Asher, your Brian Jolis, Mike Lamkowski. Tell us about some of those blokes. Well, the one thing that I enjoyed playing in that team was is I could relax. I had no responsibility. I could do whatever I did. Um, I'm quite a few times I've got some right rollickings off them because I'd, I was just doing things off the cuff on where I'm thinking it's, I'm playing him, coming home, chipping over in my own tent. That's stupid stuff. Uh, but there's no responsibility. You sit in the dressing room and you look round at them and you think, well, we can't lose today. We've got, got how could you lose with that team? That, in the in recent years, that's been the worst mistake Wake Forest has ever made is getting rid of that team. They should have kept doing everything to keep them players together. That they, they were terrific players. But they all, everybody went on till the clubs and everybody betted themselves, didn't they? they didn't, none of them failed. That's right. Yeah, they did. I'll start with Trevor Skerritt about like a year later. He went, Graham Idle went, Ashurst and Lomkowski got injured, Julie went, Topo went. It was just all crumbling money in the early 80s. Yep. Yeah, well, I went to the Midgley, went. Uh, Alan McCurry went in, so, so they were, everybody went. Bless Sheard went. It was the. Uh, and Bill Kirkbride went as well. And did he? Did you Bill go with him? I didn't go with him to York, no. Uh, I went after him. He didn't take me there. Uh, I can go off. I, when I talk, I can go off at Champion. If I go off at Champion, Pulling back in again. Pull back it'll, in. Last, it'll last forever. Like during that season when I saw the 15 size, Bradford made an approach for me. Did Bradford through Peter Fox? Uh, and my Uncle Michael, Mick McGowan, was that Bradford with the coach. And they said we would like to sign the sign for them. It's a role. And it was it was it was the headlines in backstage of Red Fold Express. Several would would want to get rid of my McDermott, you know. And they put me actually put me on list and the fifteen thousand. Uh fifteen thousand pounds put me on list. And they, they said, Lad, I don't want to go. I want to stay down at Red Fulfillment. So the sack Bill Kirkbride at the end of the season, or he left, whichever it was, and Ray Batman the following season. Now, I was quite excited. It was in Torrey. I did all these tailbacks, you know, with Paul and you know, what have you. I think somebody will show me how to play those forwards because no one showed me how to play those forwards. And I want those forwards, I, I want a Harry Pinner or uh, any, any, any type of forward. I don't have to look forward. Uh, so somebody will show me what, what the rudiments of the, the job is to do. And it came to the club. And I and because I'd scored the fifteen, I was I was for the first time in my life I was feeling confident 
started to have a really good opinion of myself as rugby player because it, it was like a dream and I didn't realise I, I were any good. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, right, well, Ray Batman come and don't show me that I can establish myself and, and learn how to play this game properly. And he took me, said, Matt, can I have a word with you? This is about three weeks before season started, the pre-season training. Pulled me into the, into the uh, physio's room with uh, Alan Ardiston, the assistant coach. And I'm thinking they're going to tell me about how to be, you know, want to turn into this type of great player, blah, 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 blah. He says, you're the worst player I've ever seen in my life. He says, I don't know how you've ever, ever got signed on. You've got one game in the A-team to get yourself away from this club because you, and you're barred from training and we get out of this club so you can leave now and don't come back. And I left that and I retired and I like the Absolutely. So I went home. Uh, I was still living at home then. And uh, that's the boss of you. You've got it all wrong. I said, well, yeah, that's what they said. So my dad went and made a few phone calls and went to the room. He said, well, you have to go somewhere else. And I said, I don't want to go anywhere else. I didn't play the opportunity. But I was concerned that genuinely, I've not done that. Fact in, I was going to play from the club. He said, but you can't, you'll be stupid. You'd have to play, play rugby. He said, no, I don't want, I want to play with opportunity. And then clubs were phoning because there's no mobile phones in them days thinking how communication is now. Uh, people getting in touch with me. Do you want to go talk to George? Do you want to talk to this guy? I said, no, I don't. I, I just don't want to play anymore. I can't go down to, because I, I, back in my mind, I was going to go down and sneak in and go to go back training. And see what would happen. See if you just go back training because they've got the contract. In them days, they had your contract. They want the contracts everywhere. There, they could stop you from playing anywhere. They didn't want to send you on loan or anything. There's nothing you could do about it. And I, my dad said, "York's been in touch with you." Uh, I said, "Well, I don't understand York. Why is that York? Well, you know, because it won't. It won't York with the A64 bypass we have now, is it?" York was a terrible place to get to, especially in an evening when you had to go training from five o'clock to seven o'clock, you know, to get there. So I'm go for, play for York. I want to play for the Uh It said, "Well, it's too late now. You have to go through to York this Sunday, first game of the season with the play wing." So I've given me word to Mister uh, Maxine, the chairman, that he's going to be there. So my dad blackmailed me. Because he's give his word, so I'm not making my dad out to be like to go there. Now, if I could just jump forward, maybe six months, all of this had been worked out before. I didn't know about it, and I'm certain my dad knew about it. We never told that the reason they wanted to be there, Trevor Bisley went as well, didn't it? Yeah, and Graham Brown. Yeah, I were valued, they valued me at 15,000 pounds. With it, and they brought Teddy Day in exchange, and Teddy, uh, so that they, so Teddy Day were worth twenty five thousand pound. So my fifteen with those the, the other two players, they only owed Wakefield Trinity ten thousand pound. So if I had to gone to York, I don't know how they would have done. They'd have had to pay Wakefield Trinity. Uh, they would have to York Wakefield Trinity would have to pay York uh, fifteen thousand pound. 
did it all. So there was some panic on when I when I went to York and I said I don't want to sign. <laughs> you had to, you had some highs and lows at York, didn't you? That first season you got you got twenty three tries in that first season, and did you get promotion? Ah, oh, we got favourite. We were a great season. It was a great season. It's. Um, I went to York, watched the game, and I fell in love with the game again. You know, I thought, well, I can. Kevin Arkin was there, John Crossley was there. You see, so I've got all these players that I knew last year. Uh, so I guess I'll, I fell in love, and it was a good, uh, it, it was a good season at York. But York's done what? Because I've got promotion with three other clubs before, and all the clubs that get promotion, they make the same mistake by getting rid of all the people that's got promotion. And buy brand new people. Yeah. That's before they've played together with each other. So we went up into first division, got thrashed every week, and come back set back down again. Yeah. But didn't you go back on loan at Trinity as well in that time? I did because uh, I'd been playing with the club. Odd times at Scrum Art at York. Kevin Arkin or Peter Inns, the Scrum Art at York, Scrum York, and yourself. Got injured. They put me at scrum half. I could do a job. I want. I want. I want to go scrum half. I could do a job. Uh, the following season, I'm still expecting to play playing loose forward. We've trained pre-season, but we've done no. There's been no coaching sessions. That this is what's going to happen. So read the team out in the first team. I'm stand off. He picks me at stand off. <laughs> so I said, "What you pick me at stand off? I can't play. So I couldn't pass a ball." Genuinely, and no one, no one that showed me. I'd be now twenty three, then twenty three, twenty four, and no one that showed me how to pass a ball, how to hold the ball, how to pass it. Yeah, so I said I can't play stand off. So I picked me at stand off, and I just want to enjoy it at stand off. I said, Bill, I, I don't want to play loose forward. I'll put me at full back. I'll put give me another position. Put me at scrum half. I'm not a stand off, uh, and he won't do. He won't do. He said he pulled me in. He says. Uh, Says Mac, he says, uh, you're not scoring. I saw we're getting we're getting beat every week by, by 20 points. How can I score? I don't get the ball. I'm not scoring. I don't know. I've never been for you. So when I play, I tell I said I'm off. I want to move. So that's when I went back to I'm going to Wakefield again. And then what about your French experience, Bear? That was bang in the middle of all this. That's an interesting story, isn't it? What's that one? Lee, we're going to go into uh, France and Albi. All oh, right. Yeah. Uh, well, the following year, after the week, after I went to Wakefield Trinity on board, and they said, yes, well, John Scaife, chairman? Yes. John Scaife, chairman, we'll sign you. We want to sign you back. So you're fantastic. We had a good time at York. We enjoyed that. I'll come back and sign for Wakefield Trinity. I don't know if John Scaife was still there the fo that following season, but they, did, they never came back for me. They mm. wouldn't sign me on. Uh, so I went back to York and he scored 22 tries that season. I think we're bottom of the table in second division. Yeah. Uh, and Phil Lowe came in at the back end of that season. I'm not to with the coach. And Phil Lowe came in at the back end of the season. And we were training under Phil Lowe. And the one of the directors of the of York. They made me the captain of the club. Now, we're the worst captain ever going to be. And learning how to be a captain. But I was quite proud of being made the captain. I took it serious. Uh, and he, one of the directors of the club got in touch with me from Columbia and uh, asked me to be a spy in the camp, <laughs> in the dressing room. 
Uh, and I says, well, what do you mean? He said, I want you to be saying they can. I said, no, but well, I want you to tell you what players are thinking and saying you're doing. He says, yeah. He says, well, you know, I'm not going to do it. He said, well, why do you think we made it captain? Following week, so I've turned it down following week. I got captain taken back off me following week. So I made my mind up then that, well, I can't play for the club. I'll, I'll jump back. As soon as I left Wakefield Timothy and I went to move to York, I made my mind up. If anybody liked to me, because I got liked to quite a lot at Wakefield Timothy, if anybody liked to me, you cheated me, I were off. I'm off. And during that first season at York, just about every single game I played in, the opposition coach come up to me, if you ever want to leave, give, and they give me num numbers. You can come to, we'll sign you on, we'll come to you. So I, I knew I could go to different clubs all the time. And it, I, by then, I'm going to get a bit more confident because I knew I, I'd gone in the business. I want to try stuff. It was a support player who could score tries. It's a, a different thing entirely. So, I didn't want to play for, for York. I said, and I, again, I got fed up for rugby league because it just seemed to be mental pressure, people talking behind me, behind the back, putting the putting their order in with everything. I'm off. And uh, Albie made an approach for me. This lad I knew uh, what he touched with Albie. And he says, I, I was going to go to Australia. And, but that fan was still on. He says, uh, do you fancy playing in both South of France? I said, yeah, I'm off. So that was one week. Two weeks later, I'm in South of France. Had a season in uh, France, well, half a season in France. And what was that like? Did you, did you move out with your family? Yeah, well, with a little girl then. We were only 18 years old. We uh, we went to a big we got we went to his house out we leased the house out so we, we went over there. Uh, the fantastic weather, fantastic food, the people were lovely. They were so they were so friendly towards us and towards our little girl as well, Victoria. Uh, the only problem was that when we got out first training session at the club. The coach didn't know that signed me on, so it's. It, I found myself in I've come out come out of the frying pan back into the fire over there. So the coach wasn't happy uh, about the club signing a player on the which I can understand. I mean he, there was no animosity between me and him. He, he were a good lad. Uh Jean Page, all him, international, international player. Uh, he had a vision of uh, loose forward being like uh, Steve Norton. Ball yeah. landing those forwards, which was totally totally opposite to me. I followed I had followed Steve Norton. Uh not beast Steve Norton. But I played and I, I enjoyed myself over there. You know, it's uh, there's two clubs I didn't I didn't give it to me. But one of them is and the other one was for uh great and thoroughly enjoyed it. Still still friends with people over there now. And then and then back to Wakefield, mate, for your third spell. Yeah, well, that's a tale. People think I make these tales up. <laughs> I come back. They, over in France, believe it or not, it's south of France. It gets really cold. There's no moisture, here, but it's really cold. Uh, and one of the things I'd agree with is, is I don't want to be working every day. My last week, I didn't want to be working on the building site every day and then go and train on an evening like I did at Wakefield. I want to be able to go into a gym during the daytime and train during the daytime so I can be fresh. I'd have to train on the evening with the club so I can get myself big because 
Paul's following me around. If I if only I were a bit bigger, I'd have been a bit being a county player. Only he'd have been a bit heavier. Uh, so they would with no money at Albi. They didn't they didn't have the money to pay me what they said they were going to give me. And I couldn't afford the heating of the because it was gas oil. And we were freezing to death. Sat, sat all the tea with a blanket around us, all three of us. I said, well, this is no good. Let's get back to England again. Getting back to the time. Well, the time for it. Trinity. Right now, bullets home, were it? First game? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I thought to myself, and I said, you were Wally Lewis Wald, but I've never seen him play. I'd read about him or whatever. Uh, and I thought, God, what a player. I said, and no one's following him. Nobody is following him. I said, so the next training, the following Tuesday, I went down to uh, the committee. There must have been 13 of them, the biggest committee I've seen at Wakefield Trinity. What do you want, Paul? I says, I want to sign for Wakefield Trinity. Uh, well, we don't want you. I said, well, hang on, let, let me talk to him. And I knew, because Eddie Kingman was chairman, I think, Eddie Kingman and Eddie Kingman. 18 when I was waiting for the first. Um, I said, I don't want any money. I said, I don't want any signing. I said, I don't want any expenses. I don't want any playing money. I'll play in the A team. Let me play in the A team and prove to the coach I'm, I'm worth worth getting the. And I said, you know, I can score tries throughout the history of me. I, I think I'm 25, I'm up 25, 26 then. I said, I'll score tries. And I said to him, I said, with Wally Lewis at team, I'll score a try a game for definite. He said, nobody following him. I'll, you know I'll follow him. Uh, give us five minutes, Paul. So I walked out. You could come back in. No, we don't think you can do anything for this club. We don't want you to sign for the club. So I went back. I was dumbfounded. I was absolutely certain you would not be to play for nothing. Uh, that they'd sign on. What could, what could you lose? Uh, so no. And then Wally Lewis play. I went to watch all the games, and I'm every time Wally Lewis got ball there, looking around, turning around to see if somebody were there. I'm picturing myself side of his shoulders, just running up him. He went home. Who comes knocking on my door? Can you come back and play for us? That's what now. Now Wally Lewis has got home. You want me to come and play for you now? Yes, but will you play under the terms that you said? You play for nothing. You imagine what I said. That's all I played for you. <laughs> Nothing. So I ended up playing playing again for Wake Virginia then. And but what I also said was, but behind me on, don't take me on loan. I want to sign on. And and they see you have to sign this loan form to start off with. Then because I was still in York's books, uh we'll have to negotiate with York. And then following season, they didn't sign me on again. <laughs> and and up until recently, Paul, obviously it's a well-known fact through through Trinity heritage, but obviously any senior has now equaled this. But you you were the only player for a long, long time in the history of the club to have three separate playing spells at, at Wakefield Trinity. So again, something else to be proud of and a, and a dream achieved. Well, I didn't. I think. Well, your dad told me I'd, I'd, I'd done it. I think he said I was the only player. I I no, I no, I knew I played three times. Oh, I mean, separate things, but I, I just thought other people might have done the same. I didn't know I, I was the only one that did that. So I'm, I'm proud that I'm proud of the fact that I'm a Wakefield Trinity lad, uh, and I'm proud of the fact that I tried my best to get, get back playing for them anytime I could, even though I hate. 
<laughs> Good stuff, mate. Tell us about your Sheffield days, mate. Was it right you were the very first signing for Sheffield Eagles? I, I, I think I was third. I think it was Daryl Powell the first. Yeah. And I'm not so sure if it wasn't Vince Farrer and maybe uh, Billy Harris who were second and third. Um, I was in first five. Yeah. Uh, and that went that went brilliant. <laughs> it, 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 it was very, very... Gary came to see me one night. Uh Knocked on my door. I've never met Gary uh, Edinson before. And his wife, Kath, came, sat down and told me about this vision for Sheffield full-time. Uh, you get paid for for going on to the schools and coaching and meeting business areas. Fan great business plan and what have you. And it's excited me. You know, it's. Uh, I thought, well, yeah, I, I don't mind doing that. And so we signed on, and then very first game, we got told that the company that sponsored them to do this had gone bankrupt. Mm. So that was a bit of a downer. So a lot of the players that were going to sign didn't sign. So I ended up, uh, the experienced players were myself, Billy Harris, Vince Farrer, Steve Cooper. <laughs> Basically, they'd see some, but they'd, they'd, they were all eight, nine years plus older than I was. I was twenty five, twenty six. Nineteen eighty four over it, eighty four. Yeah. Yeah, nineteen eighty four. Um, so uh great times like rugby players, rugby players, you enjoy your teammates. Nothing against his teammates, great teammates, support was great. An exciting time in the in the city and what have you. Uh but I was I was I was getting frustrated. Getting frustrated because it won't off the field were on and all. They were just so I don't want to go too far because it's like knocking people and they, they were trying their best. The Gary's mortgage is out to keep it forward. Yeah, so you can't knock him for that, can you? You know, uh, so I just told Gary, I said, uh, and I was working for myself then, I, I'd come back with back plastering. So I said, I, I, I just I don't, I'm not enjoying it. I'm not enjoying the training. I'm not enjoying this at all. So I ended up going alone to uh, Keithley. Yeah. Got it, Keithley. Keithley, uh, yeah. Whitehaven as well thrown in. Yeah. Well, Keithley were run by a coach called Peter Rowe, mm -hmm. who I knew from York, because he'd played at York in that title-winning thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he says, can you do a job for us here? I said, I don't want to sign, because Keithley were at the bottom of the second division. I started mm -hmm. Signed for Keithley. So just do the job for a you know for a month or two. Uh until and if anybody comes, you can go. So I played for for four games on Whitehaven. Mm. So I went to Whitehaven. And how long were you at Whitehaven? That must have been a trek for a family man. It was. <laughs> well you it was a trek, but you do you sign and you do these things, and sometimes I don't. I possibly don't think that the the the. I don't think of what needs to be done to get to the end of the journey. I just right. I want to go on that journey, but I don't think I need to do it. So uh, I made them. If, if they wanted me, they had to buy me a car, which they did. They bought me a car, and they give me travelling expenses for the month. Uh, I lots of travelling expenses. So the time I took off work, or the time I went up training, and they, and they only let me train once. Things had to go up there twice. So that wasn't that was too bad. But unfortunately, that season, uh, I broke my collarbone. I bruised my kidneys really bad, and I fell out all off and dislocated an ankle. Yeah. Uh, 
all in that season. And I was doing right well at work and this company went bankrupt on me for 20000 So I lived in a really nice house in the middle of Wakefield uh, in St. John's there. Uh, and I, I thought, I'm no good at business. But, you know, let's pack it all in. And then so I thought to myself, what can I do? Uh, and Sheffield came back again, so I went back to Sheffield. Did you, you came back to Wakefield again for a fourth time, didn't you? You didn't play because I was a physio there. That's what I first came yeah. from. But you only played eighteen, didn't you? Because of these dodgy ankles. Yeah, yeah. My ankle it took it took ages to heal. It, I could run, and I played in some eighteens, but it would I would never, I would never right for. I, I got okay afterwards. Uh, I've always been a quick healer. There's problems. I've never had any problems with the long term. But I just I just lost a bit for the speed, uh, and I I just won't there with it. So I took a bit of time off. From doing anything, any training or whatsoever, given possibly get maybe I came back too soon from dislocating my ankle, yeah. and then I was back to normal. You know, that time you, ended... you, you went back to Sheffield, and suddenly you were in you were at Old Trafford, if I remember rightly. That's right, yeah, yeah. So I ended up, I scored under trying my career at uh, at Sheffield, uh, and then I think I played 99 games for them. You did, uh. I did play 99 games for them. Uh, that's the longest I've ever played for any club, isn't it? That I don't think I played 90 odd games for any other club. No, you you played 82 at Wakefield, 83 yeah. at York, 99 at um, Sheffield. Yeah, yeah. So I've been around a bit. Yeah. So I I enjoyed myself. By then, the club was becoming more professional. Obviously, it seems like we've got better players there, and in that uh, close season, see. See, Gary's a good lad. Is Gary for thinking about what Gary Evington is thinking about what what rugby should have and what he should do? But there's no man management <laughs> about him at all. And he came up to me and he played in the first division. And he said, Right, Mac, he says, You're never going to be in first team. I said, well, Why do you say that? He says, because I'm going to put you at sub. Now, in them days, being a substitute, it wasn't like it is. They're only two substitutes. And you, you might not get on field. They might not put you on the field. And the two or three times when I was substitute the season before when we went to that, uh, the Old Trafford, they'll put me on in five minutes to go. Well, that's no good to me at my age. Get playing for five, because I, I can't keep my match fitness with it. So I said, what if I what if I come on then, substitute, and I score an actually? Well, I get it. Team, first team uh, next week. No. Well, what if we get that trick and have a top tap count? Well, I get it. No, no, you're never going to start. I said, well, that's what there's no ambition for me there. I'm off. Get rid of me. Uh, sell me. We sold me to Rochdale. And then two seasons at Rochdale, Nottingham City, and then rounding off in Huddersfield in 1994, Mac. Yeah, well. Rochdale, we won the we come second or third. We got we got promotion to the first division, didn't we? Mm-hmm. So this so that's three clubs I've got promotion with. Uh and we had a great that's got fifteen tries did I get at Rochdale. Yeah. Yeah, uh, behind uh, John Woods, what a fantastic player, John. Well, I've played with some good players. Yeah. I might not have been a great player myself, but I played with some great players. Uh, so John Woods there and uh it were an exciting time for Rochdale. And they did exactly the same thing York did. 
They got rid of all the players that got promotion and bought a brand new team. Spent all the money they sold the profits off on some of these players uh, and they didn't get the results with it. Uh, not that they were bad players, it just it didn't work because you can't you can't just marry together, you know, with three weeks pre-season training and they expect to be playing. Uh, and then I fell out. I went to what would it is, and I went to watch the because Alan Agar was the coach, and uh, Alan and I fell out. I can fall out with people, <laughs> uh, and Alan and I fell out. So I packed in. I did retire, and then. About 18 months later on, I was coaching East Moor, open age. So I'm going down there and training, and I've played a couple of games with them. Uh, and I'm obviously missing it. And Dave Sampson took over Nottingham. Can you come and work on commercial side for me down there? Uh, so I said, yeah, I've got, I don't know. I went down and I'm training. And I'm, and I'm first training session. I see this old fellow running around field, Graham Idols there. <laughs> Graham Idols, three years, four years older than I am, isn't it? I don't know how old, Graham's ever actually told me how old he is, but I know he's older than I am. And I thought to myself, Graham's played, I'm playing. So I said, if you're short, David, it's like you're playing this week. I eat him and said, but think about me. So I played some games for them. Then Dave, back to me. I think every time, everywhere I go, the courts get back. So we're actually thinking about that. Uh, and Dave packed him. Uh, and then Spirit went out of it. But the reaction to Rugby League, when I was going around the, the clubs and pubs and businesses to get some commercial activity in for the lottery, were fantastic. They loved Rugby League. And they wanted the club to do well. Absolutely loved it. But they, it just run so badly. Mm. And you're a very humble bloke, mate. Um, you're you're a very humble bloke, Paul. It's just you know no, you said you said you said you did humble. All, I can't be having that. You said you did all right, but you you know there's not many blokes who's got over 100 first grade tries, and you've got 136 in 340 games, mate. So you've you've done exceptional there. Well, I've looked at your your dad's list. And I think I've got four more. <laughs> I've got four more there, so it's. Uh... I'm pretty good at research, Paul. I'd like to know where your other four is. <laughs> uh, so, I think I scored 17 at Sheffield. I know it keeps getting put down to 16, but my first season was 17. That's that's one there. Uh, and I scored, if you counted, we're going to call I scored four tries for Albi. Yeah, I put those in. Yeah, yeah, so it's uh, yeah, they, they, it's just I followed people and if. <laughs> If they had the coaching system that is today, I would. I think I would be a totally different player with it, a better player. But for sure with it all, uh, I had an ability to be able to say, "I'm behind you, Jamie. I know where you're going to go. I don't know why. I don't know how, but I knew where you're going to go, and I within playing with you or training with you." For one session, I knew which way you're going to pass and how you're going to pass. I couldn't do what you did. Even though I could see what you are going to do, I couldn't do So somewhere to break on the left-hand side, I were on the right-hand side, I knew where they were going to go. So I didn't go across the shoulder, follow him. So I could see the defenders and I could work out the angles, what the defenders were going to set and which, we, which angle he had to, to evade him. And I'd be there then 
I'd time it just so I'd be at the right spot. And it worked quite well. And I think there's a place for that in today's because the gap until there might close up faster than they were when I were playing. But players are faster than when I were playing. Well, they're not faster is the wrong word. The game's quicker than it was that day. But still, the gaps are still there. So it's, I, I, I want a bat player. I want a bat player. Could have been better. But... Uh, I let my head go, my heart kill time, and I got. I can be more cheap and get. I, 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 a couple of times I've cut my nose off to spite the face, and I, I think that do I regret it? I think no, I don't regret it because I, I want to be true to myself. And then what? I mean, it's been a long time since you retired now, but what? What have you been up to in the past kind of twenty-eight years? Then, what are you still involved in the game? I'm too old now to be involved. Nobody, nobody wants in the uh, But the I ended up coaching in amateurs, and then ended up coaching at Wakefield Trinity, which was a highlight in my career uh, as well. Uh, and I enjoyed the coaching because all I did was I put myself in the other player's position. And thought, well, I knew nothing when I was his age, so I'm assuming he knows nothing. No matter how much he gobs off at you, and I'm going to show you how to play. And I'm more of a, a personal coach, one on one coach, team, team tactics, team ethics coach. No, I can do that. But to be a coach, I think you've got to have good assistance as well. You can't just do it on your own. And what do you enjoy doing now in 2023? Sitting down, doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've uh, uh, watched games. I've watched games. I've, just, uh, I've worked hard all my life. Uh, sometimes I've been at odds with myself with doing things wrong or what have you, but it's, uh, I'm not one of these that's going to... I shan't miss work. I shan't miss work. I've one or two projects I'm, I'm hoping is going to be successful later on, and I'll tell you about that if they are successful. I'm not going to tell you about uh, but I, I just like I'm just terribly interested in rugby league and how it's all going to move on. I'm really interested in see what the IMG do with it. It's uh, the rugby league community are the world own worst enemies, I believe. Mm. It's uh, you've got to accept change. If you don't change, you're going to get get left behind. Nothing's like it was in the 70s and 60s and 70s. And the days that they all say it were great in them days, it wasn't that great, was it? 19, I was looking at some attendances in the 1970s. There was anything between 2,000 and 5,000. Mm. So I, I think if you're going to go talk about today, I don't think it will be such a big disaster as everybody's making out it before we touching it to go down. Certainly not for the gate. When we got promotion in 1997, the gate stretched between 2,000 to 7,000. There were never, never any of these magical 20,000, 25,000 gates away from Trinity. Go down into the championship side, unless, a, unless a, a billionaire comes along and takes a club over, and that's different. But if, he, if we are as we are, get rid of all the overseas players, irrespective of how well they're about, the great blokes, I don't know them, so I'm not going to knock them. Uh, and concentrate on the young people. I can't believe that we can't find a scum half and a standoff in the, in the Wakefield area. Why haven't we got our own scum half and a standoff? Why haven't we to go to the other side of the world for, for wingers? If you're going to buy them, 
by international wingers, proper international wingers. Just getting that saying that second division and concentrate on being a Wakefield side. And then buy the best of British. And then when you go up to Super League, go and fulfill the ING criteria, then go buy the best player in Australia. Right, we've got the best player in Australia two or three times. Get them, get the best player in Australia for it. And then, then if you get Wally, get the equivalent to Wally Lewis, come and play for Wakefield Trinity, pays for himself through the gates, doesn't it? People come to pay through the gates to watch it, sell the shirts with his name on, on it. And if, and if we do get Nathan Cleary or Cameron Munster, will you be offering your services for free again? <laughs> it didn't take me. It didn't take me. <laughs> the, the, one, uh, the one mistake I, I, I think back on when I, I made was uh, Castleford were going to sign me before I went to Wakefield Trinity. Uh, I'd gone up there on my own back and had a word with Malcolm really because I, I knew him. And I said, I want to sign. Uh, for you. He said, where are you now? So I'm at York. So what's your chance for me? And York had put me on a £35,000, uh, which was a ridiculous record for only 38 from from the, uh, the Cumbian forward, that OKR forward, uh, from the full-back. I can't remember his name now. So it was only 38 for the top player. Bill Hogan. Oh, sorry? Bill Hogan. That's him. That's him, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I talked spoke to the chairman with Malcolm really in the road. He says, What do you think? The last thing I said, I don't know. I says, uh, They've been ridiculous about him. So he phoned him up while I was there and he offered 10,000 for me and they turned him down. And at back of my back of my mind, I was thinking, Offer your services for free, offer your services for free. Say, Sign me on. And no matter what it is you sign me on for, I'll pay, I'll play. You did up that money and pay yourself back until I play for you. And I wish I had done. They wanted to sign me. I wish I had done because that year they went to Wembley. That year, that was that year that uh, that little Aboriginal lad scored that try corner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Sandy. So, yeah, I still can't believe it. it still can't believe wait for Timmy to turn me down. Just, you know, why? Why would you trade anybody? There were no, there were no limits on people you could have at the club with them, were so they could have they could have played me 18 for free all season, which I would have done. Strange. Paul, it's been a it's been a pleasure having you on and hearing all these stories. Your, your heritage number 838, 82 games for Trinity in three separate spells. And like I said, you were the only player to do that until literally about three and four weeks ago. So you still hold the record for being the first. 340 career games with X amount of, of tries, if we can agree on it. it we'll say, we'll say 140 as well, but you've had a fantastic career and some fantastic memories, and thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I hope I haven't bored you. No, not at all, not at all. It's fantastic to get someone on of your ilk and get these yeah. stories out, and people will respond to that as well on, on the podcast. We get a lot of good feedback, so people are very okay. happy for you to come on. Right, lovely, thank you. Thank you for asking. Excellent. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 82 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast. You can find us all on podcasting platforms worldwide and follow us on Facebook under the Wakefield Trinity Heritage banner and Twitter and Instagram at WT Heritage Pod. Massive thank you to my co-host once again, Lee Robinson, and thank you to our guest, three speller at Wakefield Trinity, Paul McDermott. I have been Jamie Robinson, and we will catch you all down the road. Hi, it's Cammy Triscamara.
You have been listening to the Trinity Heritage Podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. It's unbelievable.